What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. You did the the red that was was on the thing? You did? Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. What's up? It is February the 28th, the last day of Black History Month. I am in the studio at WODU on the beautiful campus of Old Dominion University. I'm in the studio with Miss Rhea Golf. Hey, babe. Caprice Elmore, hey. Nikki Curry, and we also have our sound engineer, Miss Jada Carson. Hey, Jada. Hello, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, how about how, you? Good, how was your week? It was really good. Ready for your spring break? Yes, I can't wait. You can't wait? Okay. Period. What about, and then, what's your name? Okay, all right, all right. How was your week? Are you from Richmond, too? Okay. All right. All right. Ah. Oh, he's a student. Okay. Okay, ladies. So, what's going on with you? I haven't seen y'all all year. It's been a long time. Long time. Yes, I haven't seen you since you graduated last year. No, yes, you have. You came to my house. I did. Okay. You're yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what have I been doing since then? I have been um, doing a lot of workshops. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, we have been doing um, women's like kind of workshops on working together uh-huh. and becoming the best you you can be. Yeah. So I've been busy. I can't. Say I've been that. seeing you. Yeah. I told you I was proud of you because I was like you. The things that we were talking about, you're actually implementing. Yes. So you're 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 inspiration. You gave me the platform. You, you I started off here. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. You I started did. Started off here, first radio show, mm. and from here I've taken off. So that's thank wonderful. You. I've done it that's wonderful. You. Thank you. Thank you. What about you, Caprice? Well, right now, I think I'm about to hook up with Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on here almost a, a year now, and I haven't, I got to branch out, too. But I'm just, just finding myself. Just okay. It. And that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yes, yes. So, um, a lot of things going on in the news. I know we were bombarding the, the chat with the different, different topics that's going on yes. in the news. So, let's start. 
First thing I want to talk about is why in the world Monica Lewinsky thinks she's entitled to claim hashtag Me Too. So she's she's come out and she's saying that the actually the people who I guess began Me Too, they're backing her for some reason, and they sent her an email saying I'm so sorry that you were so alone. Um, recalling a letter that she received from the Me Too movement. She said, those seven words undid me. She said that for the past couple of years, since well, 1998, she's been dealing with isolation and trauma after her affair with President Bill Clinton. Um, she said that her experience would have been differ- different if it had happened today. With the rising Me Too movement, Lewinsky wrote that she would have been instantly welcomed into the tribe. What do you think? What do you think about that? Is her is her situation the same as the other ladies who? Well, my comment is bye, Felicia. <laughs> I saw that because because she says even though it was not sexual assault, she said it was a gross abuse of power. But wasn't it mutual? It was very mutual. Very mutual. So, from my understanding, uh-huh. these people who have been sexually abused or um, assaulted well, by someone will. of power. So this right against their will. Against their against will. will. Right. From my understanding, it's a mutual relationship until the public find out about it. Mm-hmm. And so she was happy with this mm-hmm. until it was this big thing, and she was shamed. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think that it meets the whole Me Too movement. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think it's just her way in, right. her way, because she's been shunned and outcast for, ever since then, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Affair does not constitute being used, abused, and taken advantage of. Exactly. Agree to everything we were doing, including keeping that dress. Keeping that dress, the infamous dress. Do you guys remember this? Um, I was like, when was Bill Clinton in office? In the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I probably wasn't born. Yeah, you know what? Because I have a story. I, me and my friend was talking about this other night, and I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to talk about this story." He said, "And Monica Lewinsky, she's a singer, right?" I was like. Uh, yeah, 20 years apart. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I like to think I'm young, but clearly, yeah. I'm not as young as I think I am. <sighs> yeah. But um, it's, it's not. I don't, I don't know what she's doing. And who sent her this letter? Who was walking her into something that. The, the movement, the people who, I guess, the, the, the leader, it says the leaders of the Me Too movement. Well, most of the people that's in the Me Too movement is saying who did something to them. Mm-hmm. She didn't say nothing exactly. yet about Bill Clinton. She only qualifies for two parts of the whole argument. Like it's not against your will. It was like, right? You it's with so you consent. Can say Bill did anything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You trying to say that he had power mm-hmm. and he made you do this and you were scared. Exactly. Are you sure it didn't look like? Just like you said, it was an affair. That doesn't okay. count. Nothing. She should ask Hillary what she should do. She should consult Kim Kardashian and <laughs> take a bad situation and capitalize off of it. Exactly. That's what she did with um with Ray. Um, Ray J. Ray J. That's what yeah. she did. She took a yeah. horrible situation and capitalized yeah. off of it. I think that was her mom, but yeah. I mean, regardless, mm-hmm. and being a teen, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, look, I mean, it came out, and I, I was like, it was her mom. Uh-huh. Her mother is behind the whole The whole family, I think. She's a brainchild behind and it. They were saying she's a great on safari, too. It worked. It's, yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. It yeah. worked, and Kim Kardashian put all of them on the map. Uh-huh. The OJ case, right? Yeah. They don't really have any. They don't have a skill. They're not 
I saw the tape. She got some skills. Yeah. I'm gonna have to send Yikes. you a link. But what? what <laughs> Mm-hmm. But she's not a part of it. No, she's not. Oh, well. So, like you said, what, what was your response? By Felicia. By Felicia, right. Talk Who do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Wendy Williams. Wendy, and right. Wendy? Wendy. Wendy. I don't watch the show. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for me. It's uh-huh. a lot. The speed of how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's screaming. And right. This is a lot for me to take in. Uh-huh. But, um, so you've never been a fan of her? I've never been a fan. Okay. I, I, I'm not a fan of dragging people. Uh-huh. I feel as though she takes low people, low moments in people's lives and exploits it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, it's just hard. It's hard for me to watch it, especially as an African. She's African-American. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people she's dragging are African-American mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And instead of them supporting or giving them a platform to explain what happened, mm-hmm. I feel like she's kind of shaving them and chastising them. But, you know, she's here. She's making money, so she's... Exactly. She is not making the average person's salary. Right. So help me understand why she and then she doesn't have, she's already said she doesn't have this big life. Correct. Like, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that with the part for benefits package, yeah. paid leave. Yeah. So why she can't take the week off? What is, what is the example that you're setting for your audience about how much you care about yourself? You've already faced it on, on live TV, mm-hmm. but you get right back up and you sit back down and keep on going. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take a time out. It's okay to say, I can't keep doing this. This speed is killing me mm-hmm. physically and mentally killing me. I have to take time for myself, but she's she's not for it. I think Well her body is showing her that. Right. But I think her taking the time out is gonna show reality for her. Her husband is not there, it's been all over the media that he's oh. had an affair. Mm-hmm. He's been with this woman for twenty years. She says she's never stopped working. To stop working and sit at home is gonna be a reality a re- check. A reality so check. Okay. I see that. So That's why they keep occupied. Yeah. Exactly. You keep yourself occupied, you don't have to worry about reality. And the thing, um, I did stop watching Wendy Williams. That I was a Wendy Williams fan from New York. I'm from New York. But she's always been messy. That's how she came up. She's oh. always been messy. Mm-hmm. People even stopped her from coming to a lot of their parties mm-hmm. because she would go back and dish the dirt. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, being fair across the board. If you're going to dish the dirt on everybody else, when it comes back to you, mm-hmm. save yourself. Mm-hmm. When they, they talk about her husband and the house he bought this Chick. She, she shut that listen. down quick. You can't do it. Yeah. You Wendy, be real. Be real. Right. Be real. Yeah. Do it. And, and that's what she didn't do. So after she didn't. That, I right. Watching it. I did stop watching it. But it's like, nah, she don't want to face reality. And you're right. She can't stop working because her man, who's supposed to be her producer, mm-hmm. he don't work. She don't work. He don't work. And he can't take care of that extra woman. Has that stuff been validated about the house? I know they showed, so like, mail and stuff in the mailboxes. and. How you buy a whole house? A whole house next to your life. You ain't see that come out the account, or y'all not on the same it's account? Probably there, but like I said, you don't want to see reality. Uh-huh. So you work yourself in there. Her. She's your producer. She's a manager. Yeah. Quote fingers. Yeah, manager. Yeah. So she hasn't talked about it at all? 
when the, she addressed it, but she didn't address she it. She didn't address it. She, she's like, well, oh, okay. So she just said, I think it she is said, I'm still Mrs. Like Winter, Miss yeah, Hunter, Miss Hunter. But it's all out there. It's yeah. Empty. Everybody got your husband doing it, but you can talk about everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right? But you sure can't talk about yourself. So it's just, come on, Wendy, give it to us. Mm. If you're going to be a journalist, turn it back on yourself sometimes. Yeah. Nobody's life is perfect. So, so how do y'all take care of your, how, how do you participate in self-care? Do you do it? I, I I'm, I'm guilty of not really doing it. I, I need to do it. You do? How do you indulge? I check out, I check out frequently. I, I need to say, I like to say I do at least daily, but I love on a weekly basis by working out, getting a glass of wine, read a book, taking a vacation. The vacation does not have to be anything elaborate. Even if I'm going to a, a city that I haven't been to and mm-hmm. exploring or um, getting some research and kind of planning a big trip, mm-hmm. but I do little things. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to D.C. this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I went to tours in D.C., mm-hmm. and I did some of the things that tourists do. I went to museums, went to the Black Culture Museum. Okay, went, still um, haven't been there. I yeah. went there New Year's Eve, uh-huh. and it was absolutely perfect. It was not a lot of people there, uh-huh. and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I do little things that I enjoy that make me happy. So okay. I do it frequently. I do that, too. I do like it. I go in my closet, and I just like to sit there and just sit there with the lights out. That's my time away. And I'm a couch potato. Mm-hmm. People okay. Like, no, you're not. I am. When I'm not working or out doing whatever, I sit on my couch. And I do try to go to a spa every other year. This really? Year okay. To a spa in Arizona. Everybody said it's too hot. It's oh, yeah. Hot. Scottsdale. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. I'm going to a spa in yeah. July. It's not as month, but it's going to be perfect. It's going to be beautiful. And I got five days there and just chill out. Okay. That's like a regroup. What about you? Do what you? <laughs> She's like, well, I'm about a college me? student, so like you still year, have to. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I do, but like one day it's just like a whole bunch of stuff going on. Then the next day I don't have no class or nothing. Then I'm just here with my friends and I hang out with him, and that's so it goes, <laughs> it goes, it goes back and forth. So uh-huh. I do have time for myself. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. You see, my mind is so focused. 2018, you know my goals for 2018, and I have been on it. I'm so proud of myself, working out, going to see my, you know, I see a therapist. She's helping, wonderful. I saw her this morning. So my mind's always going. Um, I do work out. You mentioned that. I never considered that self-care, but I guess it is. Um, Haven't been nowhere. I say no. I do say no. Yeah, yeah. Have not taken a vacation. We, me and me and my boo, we planning a vacation. Good, good. You're going to need this, to yeah, <laughs> vacation <laughs> slash possible honeymoon, something like that. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> honeymoon. <laughs> Next question. What were you saying? <laughs> Next caller. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Memorial Day will be a year. No, I wasn't. You were the I wasn't. I just, fa- Valentine's Day is when I got officially in a relationship. Correct, because Facebook status changed. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people inbox me and notice that. <laughs> with snapshots and all that. So yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah I, you know, when it's official, so I got blocked by a couple people oh, on oh, Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, what? Oh, what is that about? Okay. okay. So but you think he's the one? I really do. I really do. I really do think he's the one. Really? Mm-mm. Once... I semi-got over the age thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there because mm-hmm. everything else, I felt home. Mm-hmm. When we were together, I feel like I'm at home. Good. So. You know when you're able to exhale. Yeah. That's 
Mm-hmm. Once you're able to exhale that this person got your back 110% and you're able to just relax, yeah. then that's it. You know it. And even though he's 26, he acts like he's 26. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> well. What? Yep. What? 26. He acts like he's 46. Nikki's a man. He's, he's very old. And church. He's a minister. So, um, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. I do go to church. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as into church as he is. I'm more spiritual than religious. But he's into the whole, you know, wearing the robes and all that stuff. Well, he's a minister, so, you know, getting, going through the whole... Yeah, I'll be home. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got to enjoy what he enjoys. Well, first gentleman is what they call yeah. yeah, he calls me that all the time. Oh, yeah. no, I'll like, take up my shoe my shoe collection. <laughs> take up an offering for my shoes. Right. But um, Caprice, what do you want to talk about? Um, well, I want to talk about Viola Davis. <laughs> Viola Davis. Now, oh, oh that's right. Hold on. Hold one second. So if you want to comment... Or if you have a question, please call us at 757-683-4405. So, Viola Davis. Viola Davis is talking about um, her past. Right. And I was trying to understand between this and... Monique's. Monique's, uh-huh. exactly. What's the difference? What she's saying is, she's like, she was in a... Uh, um, she was doing an interview, uh-huh. and they just called her the Black Meryl Streep. Yeah. She said, I'm the Black Meryl Streep. Pay me like I'm the Black yeah. Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. Don't just tell me that I'm this marvelous person yeah. and I'm not getting the same pay. Mm-hmm. So she's saying, you know, I want to get paid. So what's the problem? So I'm I'm asking people, what's the problem, what's the difference between Monique and her? Monique is saying, I'm... I the delivery? Right. Monique appears a little... Uh, appears as though she has a Entitled. mental health... You know, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> She should. And how she is, right. right. I, I did not want to pull my life. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that person. But, um, yes, they were judged. Um, seriously, she looks like she's having a mental health issue. She should. Right so she looks not, anxious, extremely anxious. She does. Desperate. She's manic. Uh-huh. Oprah. Well, Lee Daniels. Well, it was Daniels. A, that, that, it was almost like so a trifecta. Now, them now Netflix and Tyler Perry. And now next the world. I mean, it's just yes. But she's not worth what she's asking for. Right. That's now. what I'm saying. You are a legend, but like Charlotte, who's not worth? Charlemagne said to her, "Tashmarn said his little ad- ooh, excuse me. You unfollow him." But, okay, okay, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's not worth maybe the $13 million that Amy, Amy Boring Schumer was getting. But she is worth a lot more than $500,000. I know you wouldn't. You don't even know who Monique no, is. I, I know her, but, but no. She's only been to fun, not to minimize the fun of bone, she goes to Funny Bone. She uh-huh. can't pull 
within the scope for the price for a home. Yeah. You don't have a following enough. Okay. So you look like an angry black woman who does not know how to articulate. That's how she's coming off as. That's how yeah. You're losing people. Exactly. And you might have a valid argument. But Feel free to jump in and save me. <laughs> and like what Viola said was, you know, she said she has a career that's comparable to Meryl Streep. Yeah. She went to NYU, Juilliard. Um, well, she has the she different said, awards. Same, the same path. Yeah. So why you can't pay me the same? I think she has a valid point. She but does. But compared does. to, yeah, compared, compared to, to Monique, Monique no. Yeah. But nobody's really saying anything about her. Yeah. You know, but everybody's jumping on Monique's bandwagon. Yeah, like, because well, you know, Viola Davis, she, she has built, she's not wrong. wrong. She's, <laughs> wrong. she's not wrong. She's relevant. Her resume, she's right where she needs to be. She can say that statement. Monique, she can't say Monique that statement right now. And she's got to do a Viola couple more Davis things. Viola Davis is relevant right now. I don't yeah. think Monique she's is relevant enough. She's going to get away with She is carrying her own show. Who? Viola Davis. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, true. Monique, Monique had her show. What show was that? The Parkers. And what year was that? <laughs> <laughs> so you're no, saying she's not she relevant. I'm going to go back to my original statement. She's not relevant. She did just do a show. <laughs> I didn't even watch The Parkers. You never did? <laughs> Monique did just do a movie. Mr. Ogilvy. Yeah. Professor Ogilvy. But it didn't. She was like, she had one small part in it. Now, if they do the, another Queens of Comedy, I would go see that. Okay. That's movie? different. Maybe I just don't want her to lose That's her house. That's different. Wanda Sykes, maybe? There was a picture in here that uh, I want to show you guys where they were like, okay, so you remember, yeah, you, you guys have pointed out the Charlemagne, Char- what is his name? Whatever. Is he married? Yes. Okay, unfortunately. Thank you. But He's married to his high school sweetheart from his... And it's a girl? It is a girl. Okay, Who's wrong about that. But um, Charlemagne. Well, Monique called him Lenard, because that's his government name. Okay. She did not call him Charlemagne Lenard. Yeah, she called him Lenard. But he... Okay. I, I enjoyed... I now, know, they say that he laid her interview? out. I think Monique won that that conversation. Did you watch the full interview? I watched it. I didn't watch it. I watched it from when she sat down to when she got up and packed her purse. Yeah, I watched She packed her purse? Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. and spoke her rehearsed line that she... Re- <laughs> <laughs> Was it rehearsed? Uh, yes. <laughs> she memorized yeah. that. Sydney. Baby. Yes. Okay, but I'm trying to show these pictures. So Hello. based upon that, there was a picture in this group that I'm a part of where they're like, Oprah is so petty. And it was her and Charlemagne posed together recently. You saw that with his arms around each other? It was at uh, some function. Uh-huh. But you know she had to hear, hear the interview, right? But she said she's not responding to any of that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Well, she that doesn't have anything to do with the conversation she and he probably had. You know. You think they did that to shade him? Oh, please don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, I hope she don't do that. She was mad. She, I'm just joking. Oh, I'm about to say upset that he was. Uh, he said that remark. He said uh, I saw an interview with her. He, um, she said he cannot come back to any more of the red carpet. Who? Then Oprah was jokingly saying. That oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, Whatever. Just, you know, like so, May the 19th is the royal wedding between Prince Harry and what is the name? Megan? Yeah. Something? Megan. Okay. Markle. So, he said that he's inviting two of his exes okay. to the oh. wedding. Um, his long, two former girlfriends, Chelsea Davy and Chrisetta Bonus, to attend the service. Um, he said Harry and the two ladies, they've always remained good friends. Um, 
and he made sure that there were no hard feelings when they split up. So he said he doesn't think that Megan would mind. I want to know, would you have a problem? We were really divided on Facebook about this. Would you have a problem with, if you got married, with your ex being at the wedding? When I have mine, it's going to be full. Of oh, <laughs> my goodness. Amicable. You did I mean, reference that, too. <laughs> you are divorcing or, or separating or breaking up mm. in an amicable way. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. My ex-husband, when he came to Thanksgiving, mm. come to Christmas, anything I really had, he come. See? Is that because we have children together? We do have children together, but my kids are grown. But we, we just both separated. We divorced. We're like, okay, we just, it's just not for us no more. And he's not a threat. He's, he's not, not a threat. threat. Exactly. He child. He's not a threat. Yeah. So, it's you, so you sound like you have something different to say. Well, I think it's like, no, have I met her? Can we book bread together? Like, <laughs> what is this relationship like? But I will have a problem. You will have a problem. <laughs> have a problem. As in, she can't come? She So does this does this sound a little bit like insecurity on your end? Explain why it's not. Why it's not. Explain how it's boundaries. How is it boundaries? So you can't be friends. So you're not friends with any of your exes? I'm not friends with my exes. That's the issue. No, it's not. That's the issue. No, it's not. Because if we're friends, we would, you wouldn't have treated me the way we were. If the wow. foundation of our relationship was a friendship, we should, well, for whatever reason, while we broke it up, you would not have treated your friend that way. But that's why I said if it was uh, uh, amicable. an amicable breakup, uh-huh. then it's different. So what is an amicable breakup? It means, it means we're not, to, we're not good for each other. Right, we're not together. together. It's not working for us. Typically, people break up because somebody cheated, somebody's being reckless. See, it's not always like that. Somebody's being reckless. So, you, yeah, or, so. People just don't break a lot of times. People a lot of times. People just don't break up. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the reality. Um, I've outgrown you. It's usually mm-hmm. typically something has something happened. Something has happened. And then the conversation has taken place and you realize we're not on the same page. But we don't usually hang out unless it's children or some kind of 30 years of history together. Let's just be Well, realistic. he's been with that last girlfriend was what? 14 years or something? But he's been having her? some parting ways and, you know, he yeah. was not very faithful to her either. So what did the friends look like? Would you have an issue? No, I guess not. I don't know. I don't have enough experience yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, you don't? Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. See, that's, yeah. So, okay. Will, you wouldn't have a problem with the ex coming? Not mine. Yeah. Not theirs. Theirs? <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as I w- there, there's been no disrespect mm-hmm. throughout the relationship, and you tell me this is your friend, I, I wouldn't. only way I would is if some reason my instincts are telling me that, you know, it's bringing up some type of an insecurity. Like perhaps I've seen texts before or, you know, I, I suspect that there's still feelings. Then I would. But I, I'm friends with pretty much all my exes. Yeah. So um, Nate's going to be in the wedding. He's already said that. So, you know. I, think it's, I think it's that's the same thing as like if you're not this dealing one. with nobody on Facebook, <laughs> like you're, you, you stop being friends with somebody. Yeah. You, so you unfriend your exes. You blocked them? Wait, what's happening? I was saying, what if <laughs> it's Facebook like, friends anyway. I, was like, what if, I said, it's the same thing as having a Facebook friend. Yeah. What if you have a Facebook friend and then, or regular friends, and y'all not speaking no more? Do you just take them off your Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you do that? No, boo, I want you to see everything. Right, see all the fun I'm having. Exactly, all the success. 
that's, I'm not taking you off. Right. Nah, I'm not. I'm leaving you right there so you get to see all this and let you know that whatever issue that you had or you did does not affect me because I'm still going on. I'm not taking. I'm, you but can I don't sit have right to that to you. But I, I, I don't. I don't. But I don't need you. Unfriend you life. to me is petty. Oh, we're not talking. I'm just gonna take you off. No, you ain't I'm, I'm fine with it. Leave you right there. You can see everything. You can see everything. See everything. See nothing. Well. Nikki, <laughs> what would you, would you have a problem? You seem like a secure woman, would you? No, never mind. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you were, if you were getting married, and your fiance said that some of his exes he wanted to invite to, well, didn't my date one person the whole life? Did you? But you, but you don't have. It's expensive per plate. Oh my god. This just seems like it just seems like it's a total issue. You wouldn't, cause you walked down the aisle with the prize. You, you get it. Sorry. Okay, so unfortunately, it is one against four. It's okay. That's the Okay. Oh, you still in that? You still in that? <laughs> Wait, you brought up all mine. Okay. Oh, so we still okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest because he'll be calling in pretty soon. Mr. Joshua Shea. He wrote a book called Overcoming No, the Addiction Nobody Will Talk About. How I Let Pornography Addiction Hurt People and Destroy Relationships. So as a pillar of com- his community, nobody knew about his mental health and pornography addiction issues. That eventually came to a head when he was publicly shamed and out, outed, losing almost everything in the process. Today, he's almost four years addiction-free and has released a new memoir about his journey to rock bottom and back up again. Please help me introduce to the show the author of The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About, How I Let Pornography Addiction Hurt People and Destroy Relationships, Mr. Joshua Shea. How are you, sir? Hello. Oh wow! I am not Mr. Joshua Shea. Oh okay. Okay. Okay, we have a caller. Well, that's fine. You're good too. So I actually, I am so sorry. I just wanted to respond to the question: Should a should you let your ex come to your uh, wedding? Okay. What was your response? I hope it's going to support mine. Well, to be honest, oh, and my name is Demetrius Page. I'm sorry. Okay. Hey. My, I think it's a double-edged sword because you don't know what you're going to get with your ex. Um, you don't know if she's going to come there and be like, okay, that's still my man. I want him. You, you, she could be, okay, no problem. But then again, she can also be, why are you going to invite me to something that you know I don't want to come to? It's, it, it's, it's just hard to understand. It's hard. I don't. Go ahead. Well, my whole thing was. Even if you're friends with them, do you actually think they would really, really understand you inviting them to a wedding that they thought maybe they were supposed to have with you? Mm. 
That's what I think that... Go ahead. I could barely hear you. I'm sorry. Exactly. I, I couldn't do it. It's, it's, to me, depending on how the situation, to me, I'm looking at it like an insult to injury because my ex is going to invite me. Uh, it depends on what happened in the situation for her to be my ex. I'm not going to want to see her. I'm not going to want to see her get married to somebody else. It, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Especially if the extenuating circumstances were my fault mm-hmm. and I'm still in love with, in the, love with the person. You know, yeah. But see, that that was it. almost, that was like what I was saying. As long as, you know, everything ended on a good note, there's no, you know, in, inclination of the people still having an interest in each other. You know, that's when you would invite the person. Ideally, the situation would be if they're already in another situation, you would invite both of them. You know. But you know what? You know what, Will? Yeah. Ideally, they both can still be in another situation, uh-huh. but that sub that subtitle right there, I still wish I was with that person. Okay. That's, that's, it, that's it, true. It could always still be there. You're right. You're right. Well, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. We have some more other topics coming up that I hope you'll call back for. And I will be listening. You all be blessed. Have a wonderful. And thank you for everything that you're always doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Take care. Wow. All right. Hi, Ms. Joshua Shea. Hello. Hi. Thank you for calling back. We appreciate it. We were in the middle of wrapping up a, a call. But I, I've, I've done your introduction. So you've written this book, The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About. How I Let My Pornography yes. Addiction Hurt People and Destroy Relationships. So what is this book about, and why should anybody listen to what you have to say about the subject? Uh, well, the book is a memoir. Um, it's not a self-help book. It's not full of facts and figures about pornography addiction. It's basically just a memoir um, that details the uh, last five years of my life, my uh, three, four, five years of my life when my porn addiction uh, got at its absolute worst. And uh, why anybody should listen to me um, is because uh, the reason I'm trying to write the book are to show that there is no stereotypical pornography addict. I was a publisher of a magazine mm-hmm. um, where I live in, in central Maine. I was on my city council in my town. I was not the person. I think people get these stereotypes of, you know, creepy 20-year-old guys in their mom's basements right. who have never kissed a girl in real life. And, right. You know, I've, I've, I've got a wife. I've got kids. I have had a very successful career. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was to kind of show everybody that there is no stereotypical porn addict. I uh, spent some time in a rehab in uh, Texas, and I met lawyers, doctors, teachers, you know, men, women, young, old, white, black, Asian. I mean, you, there was no stereotypical porn addict. Uh-huh. The other reason I wrote the book was to share my story of really my uh, demise um, into pornography addiction, um, to show people who maybe are in the early stages of the addiction and are in or the ongoing stages, uh, what happens when it gets critical? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, I, I lost myself. 
and I made some horrible choices of uh, how, how I how I was living my life, uh, which ended up, you know, me getting arrested because I didn't spend the time to take care of myself that I should have, and not let the uh, addiction get out of control. What do you, you said you lost yourself? What, what do you mean when you say you lost yourself? Uh, well, you know, uh, quickly, it's, it's I. I I have always uh, struggled with mental health issues. Okay. Um, diagnosed diagnosed bipolar about 20 years ago. Um, uh, have have since also been diagnosed uh, PTSD. Um, I was running my company, and my company blew up like crazy in about 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was an overnight success, and I thought that that train could run forever. And unfortunately, what happened was that um, this bright, shiny new magazine eventually became like anything else. And our revenues started to plateau uh, while our expenses continued to go up. And when everything's going great, I'm great at waving my arms around and yelling and diverting people's attention and making everything seem like it looks good. But at the core, I'm not a good businessman. And um, I was having huge amounts of trouble uh, trying to keep the business afloat. I could see that, you know, uh, bankruptcy and closing was around the corner. I thought to myself very, very stupidly that if I took myself off of my bipolar meds, um, I might have a chance to tap into the manic side of my bipolar. And that may be the energy and, and the drive that I need to save this company. Um, unfortunately, what happened was that in pulling myself off my meds, I fell back onto alcohol and pornography as crutches. And what I used at one time to deal with anxiety, uh, to deal with you know a little bit of stress, became my two go-tos. I was drinking multiple times a day. I was looking at pornography multiple times a day. And ultimately, that stopped being enough, so I started to enter chat rooms and, and speak with women, uh, you know, on, on cam-to-cam chat rooms, and uh, one day in early 2014, the Maine State Police showed up at my door with a uh, search warrant for my computer because uh, just a couple of weeks earlier, um, as it, I found out after the fact, one of those uh, what I thought was a woman I talked to actually ended up being a 14-year-old girl. And I ended up getting arrested, as I should, um, as I absolutely should have. And it was was truly now I can look back and recognize a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those those officers were more like angels at my door because I don't know that I would have survived how with how poor my mental and physical, spiritual and emotional health were all going. They were going into the toilet. And uh, I was, you know, engaging in, with women in the middle of the night. And as long as they looked old enough to me, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, checking any IDs. Um, I'd try to get them to do different sexual things on their cameras. Mm-hmm. And uh, in not using good judgment, um, you know, that, that, caught up with me because my addictions were so over the top. I had stopped really uh, understanding consequences, and I had stopped uh, really looking at the way I made my decisions. And, um, you know, I want people to recognize that um, that's what happens with addiction, including porn addiction. Mm, Hi, Joshua. This is Rhea. Hi. Hi. I have a quick question. 
question. I've heard you say that you use pornography and alcohol as a way to um, self-medicate your symptoms. How did your, your family support you during this time? During which time? After I was arrested or prior? Oh, the whole, the, the, this whole dark time that you're going through. Well, no, 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 not at all. I mean, I, it was when when my uh, professional endeavors took off. You know, everybody enjoyed it. But one of the things that happened was I became, you know, a real jerk to be around because I started buying into my own hype. Mm -hmm. I started winning every award you could get in Maine for business mm -hmm. and believing that I was something special. So it got to the point I started to be insufferable to be around. And in that last year when the company was failing and suddenly I wasn't getting the awards anymore, um, I, was, I was miserable to be around. And I know my wife tried to step in several times and be like, your drinking is a little too much. Uh, she didn't really know about the porn at the time. Um, you know, the day before I was arrested, my mother looked at me and said, you look like you're going to die. Oh, she, wow. I'm not joking. You, you look, you look, I've never seen you look this sick. And they were throwing up warnings at me. My, uh, three of my uh, business partners all bailed on me in the months, couple months leading up to my arrest. There were a ton of red flags, and people people tried to help me for a while, and then they did what they needed to do for themselves, mm -hmm. which was kind of throw their hands up. <clears throat> and I, I, I really just uh, the the support really came after I got arrested, and after I had that massive wake up call that you know I need to clean this up. Um, Shortly after I was arrested, I went and did 10 weeks of alcohol rehab in California. And then I came home to Maine, uh, did a ton of one-on-one -on -one and group therapy, a lot of reading about addiction and, then, and, and trying to understand it. I then went off to Texas and did seven weeks at a uh, sex rehab there specifically for porn addiction. Um, that was when my family really came around and saw that I was getting it and I was, I was making connections as to how I ended up in that place. And that's really what the book is about. It's kind of explaining in retrospect, oh, as I was falling down this rabbit hole, I should have seen these kinds of red flags that were happening. Mm. Um, and that, that's what I want others to recognize is that, you know, yeah, you know, there are a lot of people who can, you know, have a beer or two and it doesn't turn into anything. And there are a lot of people who can, you know, take a look at some porn online. It doesn't turn into anything. But there are a lot of people who can't handle it. And unfortunately, for people who are addicts like myself, we usually don't realize that we're addicts until it's too late. Right. Gotcha. That, that's right. How are you doing, Josh? And this is Capri. Hi. Hi. Well, you know, is and this is this is something that I, I I tell people to drive home the point that this really is an addiction, or it was for me, is that I remember the first time that I saw any real uh, hardcore pornography, and I think I was about twelve years old. My cousin showed me a couple of uh, Penthouse or Hustler magazines. The reaction I had in my head to seeing that was exactly the reaction I had in my head the first time that I was 14 or 15 years old and got drunk off beer. 
Um, and I'm not talking about just the physical feeling of being drunk. I'm talking about that mental, I found something here. This is for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I knew from day one that I was a porn addict. And there were times in my life if I didn't have a girlfriend or before I was married, if I wasn't with a woman, that I might use it more than I would if I, if I had been. And then it, when there was stress, or uh, you know, times of great anxiety, I would use it more. I always knew that I used both alcohol and pornography in a way that a lot of my friends didn't. Uh, I, I never used anything like this recreationally. It was almost all medicinal in use mm. um, to, to, to calm me, to, to, to make me you know, a little bit more tranquil. Um, when it got really critical during my, my marriage, um, probably two, three years prior to being arrested, I noticed that instead of uh, becoming intimate with my wife, I was actually making the choice to go with pornography. And one of the big signs of porn addiction is when you start substituting the real thing. Um, because, you know, with, with somebody that I've been married to my wife probably a dozen years at that point, you know, you know how that movie ends. You know how that movie goes. Sometimes uh, the movie doesn't work. Sometimes they don't even want to watch the movie. And, well, you know, and instead of trying to get my wife in the mood and put in that effort, uh, it's so much easier to just go and look at pornography. Right. So the actual the actual intimacy disappeared that was the first massive sign that things were were headed in a bad direction and then as the stress as the anxiety built up in my life unlike it really had before and i started to and i made that dumb error of taking myself off my meds um there was you know there there was no question in my mind that i was uh it was getting crazy out of control. When I got into the chat rooms, it wasn't it wasn't even about sex anymore. It was about control. I wasn't you know, I wasn't looking for any self soothing or anything, you know, masturbatory or anything like that. I didn't use them for sexual purposes. I used it for control purposes and I knew something was very wrong and I knew something was going to give. I just had no idea how I was gonna get out of it. And that's why thankfully, you know, the police had the intervention they did. Yeah, well, no, it was. It was. I mean, I think that I'm probably one one of the last generations to not get hooked through the internet. Um, I, you know, 12, 13 years old. I, I you know, saw those magazines. Uh, one day when I was 14 or 15, there was a video store near my house that I used to rent videos from, and I finally got up the nerve to go into the back room mm-hmm. uh, where the adult films were, and I grabbed a couple, and I walked up to the front desk like I owned the place, <laughs> and I put them down, and they, they, and they let me rent them without any questions. Really? So. Wow. And, yeah, none at all. And so from that point forward, you know, there was two or three days yeah, a week after after I got home from school, you know, as a eighth grader or ninth grader, mm. I would ride my bike to the video store, but get my pornography and go home and watch it. And uh, then when I was around, you know, 18, 19, 20, that's when the uh, Internet was really starting to hit big. And it took me about 15 minutes to rec- find out where to go get the porn there. And then with, with, you know, the Internet, why you're seeing porn addiction statistics skyrocket is because there's absolutely no effort 
You know, I don't have to get on a bike and go get any. I don't have to go to a store and go get any. Mm-hmm. Anything that I've ever wanted to see is at the click of a button. And so when when the Internet uh, started delivering porn, um, my use just became whenever the heck I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, Joshua. My name is Jay. Absolutely. Hi. Um, so do you think porn addiction is really that big of an issue, especially in this country? Absolutely. And I think that that, that's the reason why I named the book The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About, because the statistics um, are really scary. Um, A couple of the the two that really uh, come home to me right now is that uh, there was a survey done recently, and 47 percent of households said that pornography had either been an issue or was currently an issue in their household. the other one that I, I think is even scarier was uh, there was a group called the Barna Group, which is one of the leading research groups in the world, uh, just in 2016 uh, did, a, did a study, thousands of thousands of men. Uh, they found that men between the ages of 18 and 30, mm-hmm. roughly 33 percent said that they either have an addiction to pornography or they believe they have a problem with pornography. And that's that's one out of three men under the age of 30. And if we don't start talking about this, if we don't start figuring out how to fix this, uh, those men are going to be under 40. Then they're going to be under 50. Then they're going to be under 60. And what happens come year, you know, 2050 when, you know, nearly half of the men in this country maybe have a porn addiction because – it's not going to. It's not going to stay at thirty-three percent. It's mm-hmm. going to become forty percent, and then fifty percent. Uh, any statistician, you know, can look at this problem and how it's been growing over the last twenty years and tell you we are on the edge of a massive health crisis here yeah. that nobody wants to talk about because it involves dirty pictures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, this is Ray again. I know some of our listeners they they might be watching, might watch pornographic in their household. What are, those, what are some red flags for them? What should, how do they know is it just an extracurricular activity or more of a porn addiction? Well, I guess one of the, one of the first things would be um, how do you feel about yourself when you're using it? Um, you know, is this something where when you use pornography, is it making you actually feel depressed? Are you feeling shameful? Uh, do you feel like you're isolating from people? Um, those aren't those aren't good traits to be using something with. If you are, if you find that you're uh, lying about your porn use or lying about how much you use, if you're keeping secrets about it, if you feel like you need to, you know, hide it um, from people, that's a big sign. Um, when somebody confronts you about it and says, you know, dude, you're looking at a lot of porn, you know, are, are you becoming angry and irritable? Um, is, it, is, is it, you know, creating negative emotions within you? You know, those are all really good signs that there's something going on here. Are, are you choosing porn over going out with friends? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are you, you know, right now, a statistic I just saw recently said 28% of people have looked at porn at work in the last month. Oh, wow. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and those are people who admitted it. Um, you know, if, if you need to look at porn while you're at work, you may have an issue with porn. Um, because there's, you, if, you can't, if you can't hold off eight hours not looking at porn, 
you may have some kind of uh, of an issue there. And then when you get to the point where I was, where it's really going off the rails, um, you can, you know, usually what you need, you're starting to look at uh, more bizarre content, more intense content. Um, a lot of times it jumps from two-dimensional stuff like videos or magazines into chat rooms or even, you know, into, into real life. And then, you know, it leads up to, it can lead to financial issues. And in my case, you know, it can lead to legal issues. Mm. Um, there are a lot of red flags, uh, you know, along the way. And it's really, you know, as with addiction, when you finish with it, when you're done with it, do you make promises to yourself about uh, slowing your use or stopping your use that the next time you can't keep? Right. That's right. a big. That's a big, big sign of addiction. Right, Joshua. Let's move forward into your your, your recovery stage. What was that entire process yeah. like? Um, it was transformatively amazing. I mean, I, I was the kind of person who was so cynical, and I would have laughed at the you know the kind of transformation I've been through or claimed that you know I'd been through because I wouldn't think it was real. Right. But. Uh, being able to leave the situation that I had here and go off into the desert of California and just focus on myself for 10 weeks was amazing because it allowed me to clear the clutter, to clear everything, and to look at, you know, with addiction, it's not a matter of I just look at pictures or I drink a lot or I gamble a lot. You're doing that for another reason, and you've right. got to figure out what those other reasons are. That's what the journey of recovery has been for me. It's to really understand myself, understand how I formed certain coping mechanisms, how I formed certain attitudes, mm -hmm. um, how I've been living my life, and how I make my decisions, and then what are better choices for that? And how can I almost muscle memory? How can I evolve to a place that I can, you know, naturally make those kinds of decisions? You know, it involves a ton of reading. Uh, Coming on shows like this and talking about it is a big part of my recovery. Oh, wow. Um, okay. You know, spreading the, spreading the news about it. I mean, it, it, I'm not a very religious person. I'm spiritual, but not very religious. But I almost feel like some kind of calling of needing to share this story with people. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's. It's been it, it's been amazing, I tell you. You go back five years ago, and you wouldn't recognize that person. Um, from the time that I was arrested to the time that I was actually sentenced to go to jail, it was two years in between. And I went to the rehabs, then I did a lot of the work then. The person that went to jail was actually a healthier, uh, happier, uh, more centered version of myself than I had ever been before. And... When I went off to jail, I said, I'm not going to waste my time there. I'm going to write my story. Right. And when I, get, when I get out, maybe this story can help some people. Um, and since I've got out, I've, I've, I've continued with it um, because, you know, this is something that I, I don't think I even really knew pornography addiction existed or, I, or that you could truly be cross-addicted to different things. Mm -hmm. I, I knew there was a drinking problem. But with the pornography, um, you know, I, I had to learn a, a lot about this on my own, and I just don't want that to happen to other people. I don't want people to think they're alone or they're a freak because, you know, there are so many people just like me out there or with a lesser degree of it out there who just feel like they can't share their story. And because I was kind of a 
well-known person. Mm-hmm. My story was all over the newspaper. My story was all over TV news. Wow. So I don't really, I'm not in a position where I really can hide from the shame or the embarrassment because it was all already out there. So I figure I might as well try to use this for some good and, uh, and get some information out there and let people who are suffering know they're not alone. Yeah. Strong. Very interesting. Um, and thank you for coming forward with, with your book and talking about your addiction. But beyond the book, where can anybody go to um, to get more information, to see more about you, to hear about you, to just read more of your story? Do you have any social media, anything that you want to put out? Yeah, what I, do, I try to drive everybody to my website, and that's real simple. It's recoveringpornaddict.com. Um, that's recoveringpornaddict.com. Uh, if you need resources uh, to get some help, they're on there. If you want to learn some facts and figures, they're on there. I also talk a lot about recovery. You know, the book uh, is, is about my demise. The site is really a lot of uh, writing about my recovery. So you can also um, find links to go buy my book on the site. Um, and again, that, that was recoveringpornaddict.com. Awesome. Joshua, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm sure you guys probably don't realize this, but um, having a story like mine, not everybody wants to hear it, even if they know it's important. Oh, yeah. So it's relevant. Allow it. Yeah, allowing somebody like me or other people who have stories that maybe are on the fringes of society right now, mm-hmm. um, but will be big deals in the future, you know, that, 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 that means a lot. You know, I have a message, but uh, you're definitely the messenger here, and I, I appreciate you giving me time. No problem. Thank you. Thank have you a good much. evening. All right. You have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good information. Hmm? Yeah, he did. He did. And I'm glad to know I'm not addicted. That's good. So it's not addiction. It's just random research every now and then. We're live. Real people, real topics, real talk. I had to ask, did they still sell magazines? I didn't know that. You didn't know what? Did they still have, um, I thought Playboy and stuff was. Um, yes, no, they still have them. You have the, okay, yeah. yeah. They still. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, so we have a few more minutes. Let's let's get back into some more topics. So Beyonce's dad, Mr. Matthew Knowles himself. So he wrote a book. He wrote a book. He's intelligent. He wrote a book. It's called Racism from the Eyes of a Child. Um, he claims that Beyonce wouldn't be as successful as she is if she were dark-skinned. Um, she suggested that she wouldn't be as successful um, he says that um, colorism, which is basically discrimination against people because of their shade of skin, it's really pretty much t- within our community, light skin, the dark skin. Um, he said, and how being a black man affected his relationships and his career in his music industry. He was telling the person who interviewed him, he said, when it comes to black females, who are the people who get their music played on pop radio? He says, Mariah Carey. Rihanna, the female rapper Nicki Minaj, he said, my kids, Beyonce and Solange, and what do they all have in common? The interviewer replied, they're all lighter skinned. And he said, so do you think that's by accident? I want to know, do you think, number one, that's by accident? Do you agree with his statement? No. So he just disregarded her talent? 
I think Kelly Rowland is talented. This is a Right. She's always, always been kind of in the back. I don't think that was by you know her dad. Right. Created the group. Right. Yeah. Of course, his daughter I mean, was up front. Right. It's always been an issue with light skin, dark skin. We already know that. But mm. I mean, she's talented. Regardless, so if she would have do voiceovers and you would never seen her face, she still would have Beyonce still would have had it. How do you feel about lighter skinned people getting more privilege than darker skin? Do you yeah, believe that is? That's okay. Okay. What do you th- what do you think, Ray? Um, I think it is an issue. I think um, I don't for Beyonce's case, I can't say Beyonce's talented. Uh-huh. Great performer. Exactly. She's that's her gift, that's her skill. But does race matter? Does light skin be as dark skin? It does. We same thing with hair, good hair, bad mm-hmm. hair. I do think we are starting to break through that ceiling exactly. with Black Panther and other like, you know, how do we deal with Werner? We have a Viola Davis leading that show, another black hair. Does it representation? Yes. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, don't, I can't say he has a case. I mean, she's talented. Mm-hmm. She's talented. Well, what, what about, do you, do, do you find any merit in what he says as far as the people who get their music played more on the radio? I'm try, I was trying to I'm think trying of to more darker, it. complected yeah, people who I get know. that equal treatment. I believe, because if you look at, so like, not, some of these, she's not, she's not dark. Well, she's still considered on the lighter side. But she doesn't, we're not really hearing her a lot either. Yeah. She's not really relevant. We don't want to hear that no more. <laughs> she's going to yeah. But when you talk about, like, newer artists and whatnot, SZA's getting a lot of play. She's just about a little bit darker than what she I She is. So colorism is starting to fade away. So I what are like, you? What? Because what, I'm kind of confused. What, are y'all considered dark? I am. I guess okay, I'm yeah. considered red. Yeah, You're considered... You said <laughs> you're considered red. Yeah, I'm dark. Are you lighter or darker than it is? It, it's I got suntan right now. Nikki, what about you? She's on the lighter version. Why is she brown skin? She's dark. She's dark. That's what it is. I guess I'm looking at, I guess black, dark is the same thing because I thought I was black. You know, mm-hmm. you black. And then you see people blacker than me, but everybody's beautiful. It's like, wow. I'm not really that black. I'm not, well, you have a sweet soul. But we're talking about, really like, if you look at, you know, I'm like, I'm happy, you know. When you're looking at the bottom dollar of it, like, if, if you remember, like, the Lori, the CoverGirl ads, when they were talking about how they lighten the people's skin, and I saw how they had lightened people's skin. So you, there is um, a certain favoritism given to lighter-skinned people when, when you look at it from a... Yes. Is it changing within our community yes. or as a whole? As, 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 a whole. as a whole. As a whole. Okay. I think it's as a whole is being accepted, but we still have a long way to go. With, um, I, don't, I don't watch the show, so don't judge me when I make this reference. But evidently, Love and Hip Hop has this Latina black girl. Yeah. Yeah. Is that with the afro? Right. With the afro. Okay. She's and she's darker skin. And she has caught a lot of flack because. She's saying that she's having a hard time getting her name out there because she is darker skin. Mm. And she was on the show with Charlamagne Tha God, mm. and he was like, this is not an issue. They're making this issue up in your mind. And he tried to discredit her cause. But it is an issue. Get some of her. Yeah. But she, she's not saying she's black. She's saying she's Afro-Latina. Afro-Latina. So, which is the thing. 
yeah, so she tries to, and, and this, she, they trying to say, okay, you're making this whole big thing and you're not accepted because you're Afro-Latina. But Here, look, you're black, but she's trying to stay in the Latin community. Where exactly. You go get whatever that channel is. Well, colorism is the, the shades. The it's not black. Yeah. It's the shade so of black. The lighter skin up to, to dark. The initial claim that she made, like, in, within her community, within her Latina community, community, she's not accepted as much. Because, because she's darker complexed. Exactly. And they right. kept on saying, no, it's not an issue in the Latino community, but they don't know what the Latino community is. Correct. And that exactly. was my problem with the whole thing. You're trying to denounce her and saying that, all like counteract their claims, but you guys don't really know what her day to day life is. Correct. Exactly. So that's what she capitalized on mm -hmm. Afro Latina. So what she's saying is, when you look on the Spanish channel, she went for interviews and she went for jobs on there. And they told her, she's you know, if dark. we find somebody for that's a slave or that's something that's mm -hmm. working, we'll give you a call back. Did she think maybe it was the hair? She didn't think it had it nothing to do with that big afro. She's not the same as. But she, she doesn't look like a typical Latina. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of that light skin, you know, exactly. Right. Like dark. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, probably when he wrote that, I think he should have thought about it before he wrote it. Cause yeah, he should have really thought about it. Well, it's in the book. It's in the book. Racism from the eyes of a child. That's what the whole thing he... Well, he was a music producer, so I'm sure he's witnessed throughout... Okay. That's true. Now, in her, when I was researching, I didn't write this down, but I, I did read the part where he was saying that she's, she pointed out some references to it as well in her lyrics in Formation, mm -hmm. when she was talking about her baby hair, some, 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 something, and then her, some of her Jackson 5 nose and something like that. You, you remember that? Yeah. I think yeah. her daughter's hair because, you know, um, Blue Ivy don't have no baby hair. Before you even start that on air, she don't have no baby here. We don't do lies here. We don't do lies in the studio. I'm sorry. No lies in the studio. She does have baby hair. She has hair on a baby, but she does not have baby hair. And you were the one that signed a petition and said, go get her hair done. I bet you were one of those people. You were. You were. You were going to walk through the conversation? No. It's pretty now. In the beginning, they were trying to figure out what worked for her. That's my whole platform. You had to figure out what works for you. Bows and barrettes did not work for her. That's every black person's Not every black person, but you got to figure out what type of hair type she has. You got good hair. I can't. You got good hair. What's good hair? The hair to lay down like that. My mm -hmm, your baby hair. Like your baby oh hair. Like you got good hair too, boo. I like natural hair now. Let's be clear. I like the strong hair. Strong. I think it was my the black heritage was very strong in my skin. Amen. I could see it, but wait. Fall back. Woo. Don't get too comfortable. Okay. But my point is. Yeah. I can still comb it. Mm -hmm. Might not be a small tooth comb, but I can still comb it. I can still do for things. But I can do more hair. things that good hair can do. Right. I don't hold no hairstyles. Well, when I said good, who I was really playing. But I think that that image of what beauty is is changes, evolving. <laughs> well, 
why you keep on bringing these jazz singers up? I, she, she, I'm, I'm trying to help this. Uh, oh, you trying to help her out? Mm-hmm. She said that when she first came out, they didn't want her to. They wanted to put somebody else on the cover of her song mm-hmm. because of her image. Oh, mm-hmm. so it was. I'm trying to help the brother. What out. part of her? And I don't know if was it all. It was the her, color. It was the body size. Mm-hmm. And oh. it was her hair. Mm-hmm. So, so she had a lot going on. <laughs> You can't deny that voice, but, you know, maybe she should do a flower or something. You don't always have to be on your CD covers. You can do, like, a flower. What does your CD represent? Well, they ain't with the pop used to be on their cover either. For real? Now, were they darker? Yeah. They were darker? Yeah, they had some guys on their cover. The man might know what you're talking about. I think it way back for Really? Yeah. I think it way back Rhea. Rhea, like <laughs> <laughs> bring some intellect into the conversation. I'm trying to give people hope on this radio station. I don't know what y'all trying to do. People start shaving their heads. Oh, like my, no, it's all good. Like you said, we're evolving. We're evolving. You think so? You know what you're getting next, then. Oh, you shaving your head? Yeah. Wakanda. No. Yeah. Oh, you said no. You're not would you move to Wakanda? I sure would. Wakanda. If it was real, yeah. If it was real, yes. You can go to Wakanda. What does Wakanda represent to you? This is an off subject, but what does it represent? I've heard a lot of people say that. Freedom. 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 Yes. Freedom. Okay. I should save that for the last question of the night. Man. Man. Uh-huh. I saw people walking in their authentic selves, mm-hmm. whether it was their travel with the, now, I don't, I'm not very diverse with all gauge. this stuff, mm-hmm. right, the gauges in their mouth, mm-hmm. and the welts over their body, that's their, that was them in mm-hmm. their culture. I saw people who, um, the, late, the girl was good in tech, and mm-hmm. she, she, they used her to, and allowed her to grow in her gift and purpose, so, mm. I saw freedom. People were free to do whatever they were good at. Mm-hmm. Were, they were free wow. to be themselves. They weren't limited. They didn't have any limits placed they had on no them. no limit. Right. Their limit was themselves. Mm-hmm. Because Wakanda said, I can be and do anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. No matter I like that age, question. They respected them yeah. for so, that. So if you would move to Wakanda, why would you move to Wakanda? So give us a call, 757-683-4405. What does Wakanda represent to you? Oh, you didn't see the movie. You're the last person in the world who haven't seen the movie. Oh, everybody's oh, yeah. I didn't see it yet. What I did hear is right in Tyler Perry's studios. I mean, in Atlanta. I did hear that too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, part of it was in Compton. Was it? Yes. Tyler Perry built the whole studio. Compton, Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. His studio. What was your topic? We have the Warriors, the basketball team. Oh, okay. And, you know, when they won, when the question was, are you planning on going to the White House? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them said no. But, you know, time would tell, are they really going to stand by their no? Mm-hmm. So they were in D.C. this past week, this week, and um, they did not go to the White House. They decided to take children to the African American Museum. Mm-hmm. So I can respect they stood by their word. Uh-huh. They didn't want to make it a political thing. They made a decision, and they, they made it educational for the kids. And that's what they do. We, we, yeah. They will not shut up and play basketball. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I, I thought 
was reading something on social media that he had, uh, number 45, had invited Steph Curry, but then Steph Curry took too long to say yes, and then he recanted his... Well, he invited the whole team, and, and then Steph, Steph Curry was the one that said he was not going to go. So the mm. next day, he disinvited the whole team. So, you know, he did. takes 45 with a very great exactly. assault. Okay. Um, so, yeah. He's doing the best that he can. <laughs> God bless him. So they went there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's doing the best that he can. I thought it was a good, a good thing. Mm. Hey, I'm still going to take this trip to go to D.C. I just I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Going to the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're going to the other side. Okay. Well. I wonder if everybody enjoyed it. Everybody really understood everything that went on there. Where? At the. At the. Meeting. Yeah. Because it does take time to read. It you takes days. Read. It takes days. I went, I went once and I still haven't. Right. Seen everything. I, I still haven't been. Yeah. You go all the way up. And I, I went on a great day because there was not a lot of people there. So I was able to. Like get around, but it would take you months to actually yeah. see it all because they have stations where there's movies going yes. on, there's videos, there is a booth where they want to get your feet that you can't read everything and actually take it all in. Take I'm embarrassed time. to say the aha moment that I just had, What's but I'm going to say it anyway. No. So you said you started where? At the bottom of the boat. It's shaped like a boat. Is it supposed to be shaped like a, a slave ship? And one part of it when you go in it's supposed to be where I'm talking about the building. It's not a boat. No, it's not a boat. Oh, okay. No, okay. Okay. And you start at the bottom. Like, literally, at the okay. bottom of slaves. And you, it starts at the beginning of slaves exactly. and how it all started. And one of the things they talked about was Chesapeake and how yes. what happens in the city of Chesapeake when a slave escaped and what was their consequence. And yes. so I remember my favorite part in the whole museum, well, one of my favorite parts was this lady, she had said, um, if I only had. If they only gave me one minimum of freedom, no, let me think about it. If somebody told me that I would die after 60 seconds of freedom, I would take that so at least I know what it feels like to be free. Oh, wow. And we mm-hmm. have, we don't, we're not technically free, but we have so much freedom in our day. Yeah. And we take advantage of so much when people die just for a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And she said, she, I don't, give, me a, give me one minute and I'm okay yeah. with dying afterwards. And we have a lifetime, we boycott stupid yeah. stuff. We're shooting up schools and we are fighting a cause that when there is no cause, we're mm-hmm. doing random exactly. stuff. Exactly. We're wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. We have to start at the bottom. Right? Okay. Like, I've known some people that went there and I was like, oh, we start on the third floor. Why? You need to see where we start from and how we progress, basically. And that's what we mm-hmm. have to do. But when we went to the museum, they actually told you, hey, go downstairs, start at the bottom, because that's where the slavery is. Mm-hmm. And then they actually have a ship in there, which is a small area, but it actually has a temperature of when the slaves was in there. And oh, wow. It's not even, it's kind of cold. You need to go. It's kind of cold. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. But you're going to take, like I said, the tickets are free. Mm-hmm. Now they yeah. go, they they don't have any tickets now until June. Yeah, you have to, like, But push March 31st, they actually Is when they open the calendar open yeah. back yeah. up? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I now. had tickets for January the 8th, but that's when the snow hit. So we weren't able to go. Holiday. I like Memorial Day. Ain't nobody be there. You don't have the place open. No, not in D.C. <laughs> Not in D.C. Memorial Day weekend. You could do a walk-up. Uh-huh. Oh, I heard if you go in the morning. I went New Year's Eve. Nope. I went New Year's Eve. It was like maybe 2 o'clock. I closed at 5. I ain't had no ticket, and they let us in. It was not a lot of people. Nice. Yeah. So you need to go like a random holiday. You don't, and it works. Okay. I, I'm just saying, I wouldn't suggest Memorial Day in D.C. <laughs> for that. That's Gay Pride weekend. I'm sure they're going to be up in there. Oh, it is. So, huh? don't want to do that. I wouldn't do that. Uh-uh. No, but you know what? We have Joy Evans. Do you guys have problems saying no? Nope. Nope. You don't have the problem saying no? That's the first word I was born. And 
and my first pick was no get away from me. Really? I would think that you would have a problem saying Before no. I did, okay. Just say no. Yeah, I'm learning to say no. Okay. I'm getting better. Oh. Nikki, you have a problem saying no? She just can't show like me. So. Really? Okay. Well, our next guest, Joy Evans, she um she helps stressed out high achievers more enjoyably reach bigger goals while spending more time relaxing and having fun with their loved ones. Her practical strategies show women, business owners, managers, and executives how to free up time by saying no guilt-free to energy-draining activities. This way they can say yes to the things that revitalize and inspire them. So she's going to be calling in in a few seconds. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's welcome to the show, Miss Joy Evans. How are you, Joy? I'm great. Well, thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. We just introduced you. Everyone in here seems to be fine saying no, except me. I have some issues um, <laughs> saying no. But I just want to know, you know, with yourself, how did you tra- transition from a stressed out, burned out graphic designer career for Fortune 500 companies to exactly what you're doing now? How did you make you that know, transition? I- with um, really struggling with taking the wrong clients at the wrong times and saying yes to everything that was not a fit for me, meaning last-minute requests and, you know, oh, yeah, this is going to print tomorrow and there's 50 changes that we need to make on it and can you do that? And I would say yes. You know, in my mind, I'd be going, Joy, if you do that, you're going to stay up all night. Mm -hmm. And I would still say yes to that. So that was kind of where I was sitting. And what happened for me was I had a lot of – back pain and resent my relationships. I was really limited as far as, you know, how much money I could make because my time was spent doing all these special requests for people. Right. And I was sitting, sitting on my bed one day and I actually heard this voice that came into my head and it, you know, it was just like, wow, okay, something really big was speaking to me here. And it was, Joy, if you don't do something different, you're going to get sick again. And so what happened for me was I didn't want to go down that path again of getting on medication and pills and so forth, and I'd gone through this process to recover from asthma. And it taken me a lot of years to recover from that. I'd gone the natural path, and I, at this point, I was totally free of that. And for me, that was kind of like, okay, we're not going back down this path again. I need to do something different. And so I really started seeking out mentorship and, and support in a lot of the areas where I was struggling, and that really turned things around for me. Um, and I started saying, um, you know, picking clients that were better fits for me and, you know, setting boundaries in my personal relationships with my family and with my work and all of that sort of stuff in a totally different way, and that eventually transitioned into the work that I'm doing now, which is working with high achievers who mm. are feeling drained and burned out and really turning that around for them. Mm. Okay. Hi, um, this is Freya. You know, no is my favorite word. That was literally the first word that I said as a child. <laughs> no. You are speaking my language. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, everybody's as powerful as us, you know, but... Um, can you give me an example of someone you worked with who has realized the power of no in their life? Yes, absolutely. So one of my clients, she runs a, uh, I would say about a half a million dollar psychology practice. She has a bunch of other practitioners that work for her and, you know, runs a bunch of different programs, um, working with some fairly difficult clients. 
and she was, you know, really running herself ragged because she was saying yes to, you know, doing everything herself in, in ways that she could have been delegating and so forth. And that meant that, you know, she was working 24-7, you know, she didn't have time for relaxation or fun. And, you know, because she was doing that, um, she really needed to make some different choices because she was unhappy and stressed out and she couldn't make space for the stuff that she really wanted. What she was really afraid of was her parents were, you know, coming up off the medical issues and she wanted to be able to be there for, for that. Like those were her big yeses. And so when she was actually able to say, okay, these are the things that I really want to say yes to. Um, but this is the stuff that I'm currently saying yes to now, all this little busy work stuff at the office that's keeping me all tied up and strapped to this business that I don't want to be in 24-7. Like, you know, it's important to me. But this other thing over here is more important. Really what happened once we started having a conversation about what was really most important to her, the stuff she wanted to say yes to, then suddenly all the stuff that she needed to say no to became a lot easier because she wasn't clear about what her big yeses were. So the result of that was not just that she had the free, created the freedom and flexibility to be able to, you know, offload and delegate some things that weren't a fit for her, mm-hmm. um, but they, she was also able to establish boundaries with staff and, you know, with clients in a different way, and, you know, her schedule totally changed. So she started having Fridays with her husband, whereas before she was working 24-7. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the, the end result of, of that. And, you know, and, and her sister actually recently had a health issue, and she was able to fly down to Mexico, no problems for the moment, um, and actually say yes to being a, a, a support in that way. For a family. So that's, yeah. that's the kind of impact, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, how are you doing, Joy? This is Caprice. Hi, Caprice. Hi, I'm learning to say no. I'm not always <laughs> awesome. there yet, but I'm getting there. But what do you think keeps women from saying no and setting boundaries, even when it's You know, I think the biggest thing is that we have particular beliefs about ourselves and about our relationships that really keep us from uh, stepping out of the survival strategies that have kept us safe for a really long time. You know, women in particular, um, it happens for men too, but, you know, men have different survival strategies. So women in particular... um, step into, you know, I want to maintain a relationship and the value of that relationship for me is, is a, you know, we're not going to be the biggest or the strongest. You know, if something bad is happening in our world, we're not going to run away from somebody um, or, you know, beat them down like, like more like men would, right? We're going to go run down the street and knock on our neighbor's door and say, hey, can you let me in? So, you know, if we don't have that relationship in the event of an emergency, that that's scary to us. Mm-hmm. So... We really want to maintain relationships in that way. But the other piece is that guilt really stops us a lot of times from saying no. The guilt. Yeah. Um, Hi, Ms. Evans. This is Jada speaking. Hey there. Uh, Is there a favorite strategy that you have for telling people no that you would like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. So my favorite technique for saying no is, is called the I love you sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> I love you sandwich. Okay. You need to write this down. Yeah. So uh, I like spread and love in the world. And this one has gotten me um, more thank yous. And wow, that was really nice. I think um, I, I actually rejected somebody from my Facebook group recently. And the the person who, uh, like, they just weren't a good fit for the, for the group. And the person actually sent me a note back from the the 
the rejection that I had sent them and said, wow, that was like the nicest decline I have ever received. So literally people feel like loved and nurtured when you, even when you use this technique. Um, so there's three parts to the I love you sandwich. Okay. Uh, the first part is, is, the, is, the, is the slice of bread, I would say. Okay. It's, an I love you it's an I love you statement. The middle piece is the conjunction and, and then the meat of whatever it is that you're going to deliver. So whatever it is, the difficult news it is that you're going to deliver. Okay. And then the third piece is another I love you statement. So let me clarify what the, what the two I love you statements are and the difference between them. Okay. So the first I love you statement is, you know, if you're talking to your partner, your, uh, someone who you really love, your parents, your children, you can actually say literally, I love you. Mm -hmm. The purpose of this is to get them listening. If you're talking in more of a business setting or some, you know, somebody, your gardener, you know, what, somebody else in your life that you have an ongoing relationship with, mm -hmm. you're going to use a, a statement of appreciation. Okay. So I really appreciate the hard work that you've been doing on this project or, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate the, the length of the time that you've been my client, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to follow with the conjunction and and the difficult news. So let me give you an example of both of those pieces together. So I had a client, um, Diane. She was having a lot of difficulty saying no to her mom. Her mom was calling her like 24-7 all the time, interrupting her at work and home, and her mom was really negative. Mm -hmm. So she needed to have a conversation with her mom about all of these phone calls that she was having. And so the, the example that I'll give you here would be, you know, she could start off the conversation with, Mom, I love you, and then the follow-up with, and, and not but. I'm going to keep our but out of it. Okay. <laughs> not but, so and, not yep. but. Yep, and okay. not but. We want, the, we want to, so when you say but, you're negating the first part of the, of the statement, whatever it was that you said, okay. you know. And you know that that's true, right, because you've, we've all heard the statement of, I love you, but. Exactly. And then we're all waiting for the breakup. Exactly. Right? Okay, so I love you and, you know, Mom, I, I, I'm feeling really, I'm getting really distracted at work when you're calling so many times. So that's the difficult news of whatever it is that you need to deliver. Okay. Now, the last, the last piece of that statement is the, is the last piece of I love you, bread. The purpose of this statement when you're in a long-term relationship with someone mm -hmm. It's to, to affirm that you want to stay in the relationship, you know, whatever it is that you're willing to do, whatever it is that you're looking forward to, that would be a perfect uh, piece to put in at the end here. So you're sandwiching the difficult news between two uh, positive statements. Mm -hmm. So in the case of my client, Diane, you know, a, an example of that might be, you know, mom, I'd love to figure out a way with you that we, you can be assured that we're going to have a call once a week and you can look forward to that. And that will eliminate your, your, all the calls that, that are interrupting my, my day, that kind of thing. You know, or that we can set up a, a time once a month that I can get out to see you and you can look forward to that. So something along those lines. You know, it could also be a situation of, well, you know, someone's asking you out to, you know, can I pick your brain uh, for over coffee or lunch or something like that. Maybe you don't want to do that. So, you know, another alternative might be, you know, hey, I, I'm, that's not a good fit for me, and here's what I'm willing to do instead. You know, okay. do you have a couple questions that I could answer over email or something along those lines? Whatever way you're willing to, whatever you're willing to do in the relationship that feels like a fit for you. Okay. okay. That makes sense? Yeah, it really does. I'm seeing different ways yeah. I could use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the fact that you do and because a lot of people use but and how yeah. wild burn yes. and negate everything. Don't yeah, you forget everything that went before that. <laughs> Okay, I like that too. Okay, so I have a question for you then. So, like you mentioned earlier, 
Um, a lot of people don't say no because they feel bad or they feel guilt. I know that's right. one of my issues for doing it. So what would you say guilt, where, where, where would you say the guilt comes from and what can we do to get over that stumbling block? Yeah, so the thing is that we don't, most people have no idea what, what guilt even is. It's, we just know that we feel badly and we yeah. don't want to be there, <laughs> right? So lots of times it keeps us from doing what we want to do. So the key is the way that guilt works, and I learned this from one of my mentors, Jay Frissette, We've got two things that are happening. So uh, I'll just stay with my, my client, Diane, and her issue with her mom. The issue that she was having was her mom was calling her, um, you know, a million times during the week. And what was happening for her was she had a particular behavior as a result of that. And the behavior was she didn't want to call her mom back because her mom was really negative. It really brought her down every time she talked to her. The problem was she had a particular belief about that behavior, and the belief that she had about that behavior was that that made her a bad daughter to not call her mom back. Right. Okay, so the behavior uh, was on one hand, she was doing this thing, but on the other hand, she had a belief about, about it that made her bad or wrong in some, in some way. So her belief was out of alignment with her behavior. So she wasn't doing what she wanted to do, which would be a good daughter, by not calling her mom back. What happens then, if you imagine that the belief in the, is on one hand and the behavior is on the other, there's a big gap between them, and that's where the guilt sits. Mm. So in order to resolve the guilt, guilt is actually a bridge of way of that we punish ourselves for not having our belief in alignment with our behavior. And when somebody guilt trips us, all they're doing, usually we, they share one of those beliefs with us, and then they point to the big gap in the middle between the belief and the behavior, and then we guilt ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of this is really, uh, as we do this, is to not have to change our belief or our behavior. We punish ourselves for an arbitrary period of time, and then when that's up, now we get to keep both our belief and our behavior. We don't have to do anything differently. So how do we do something different? We have to get out of the pattern, and what we need to do is, is recognize what guilt really is. So what is guilt really? It's really an invitation to change either our belief or our behavior. Invitation to change either our belief or our behavior. So is that making sense so far? So let me give you the, uh, an example, like, consistent with the story. So, you know, in the case of Diane, what she ended up doing was having this conversation with her mom using the I love you sandwich okay. about uh, okay, so mom, this is this is something that isn't working for me, and uh, how can we create a situation where I'm not getting you know a million calls during the week? So she, which they, the agreement that they ended up coming to was they they had a call on Friday every mm -hmm. week at the same time, oh, okay. and then they had a, a one meeting a month that they got together, and that allowed Diane because she wasn't feeling stressed and you know resentful and you know icky about her mom all the time. She was actually able to show up to those conversations feeling loving and generous and kind because she wasn't you know saturated in her mom 24/7. Right, right. Okay. I get that. So it changed it changed the nature of the relationship. And so that's really the key with guilt. Change your belief or change your behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad feeling, it's really just a red flag. Okay. It's really like creating boundaries like we were talking about early. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that you hurt your, your life in the long run. Yeah. So your new book, Achieve More by Saying Yes to Less, where can our audience find it? Yeah, so at achievemorebook.com. 
Achieve is spelled A C H I E V E, morebook.com. And uh, it's a really fabulous read, very easy, lots of stories. Uh, really gets to the heart of the matter with a lot of great tools like what I've been sharing today. Awesome. And where can people follow you on social media? Oh, on social media, I use Facebook, and you can find me uh, Facebook, and it's Joy Evans. Uh, <laughs> forgive me. I use my I use my social profile, uh, person, my personal page a, oh, okay. a lot. So if you search for Joy Evans, and it's E V A N N S, you should find me. And uh, if you find me there, that's the best place to to get all of the goodies. Okay. Well, Joy, thank you so much. I'm empowered thank you so much now. For me. Well, I'm awesome. empowered. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm going to go home and say no. Yeah, say a little no. bit. I like the ice cream sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out ways to make that mine. I just feel like by the time I get to that, if I first start with I love you or something like that, they're going to know something coming after it. Wasn't there a question like that last week about saying no? And you were, like, explaining, like, you wouldn't say no and whatnot? I don't know. My memory's not that good. I, I, think, I think I had like some deja vu with that. It might have been. When you say no, I just like to say this is what I can do. Uh huh. I can't do this, but I well, suppose you can't. Then I can't do it. It's just no. Do you? Have, so you could you say just say no? I can. Do you feel bad afterwards? You know. Oh, I'm not gonna say I've never felt bad. Uh-huh. I, ha- I mean, there's been tendencies that times I have felt mm-hmm. bad, but it's just not a normal thing. I was just that child. Mm-hmm. No, don't touch me. No, no. Uh huh. Yeah. So you learned that, yeah, okay? Well, then you know what? It so could go the other way too. I think I probably learned from my mom not to say no because she used to struggle with saying no, and then she would mm-hmm. do things, and then she would resent doing it. Mm-hmm. She would complain about it. Mm-hmm. Then she'd be mad with us because she had to do it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Yeah, my dad is a, is a true believer. I'm not. He's not going to do anything he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we need to give some advice right. to this person. This, okay. So I'm a 26-year-old woman, and my parents died when I was 14 years old. I dropped out of school because no one could afford to pay my fees. I met a guy when I was 16, and he sent me back to school. He sold fruit on the side of the street so that he could pay for my school fees. He later got a job as a truck driver and sent me to the university. I am now working as a lawyer. My problem is that I feel I can't continue with this relationship because this guy is not the type of man I would like to marry one day. 
Now, how best can I tell him that he is not my type without hurting his feelings? I want somebody in my own class, not a truck driver. Give him his money back. Ooh. Every dime you got from him to come oh. on, give him his money back. That's so he was good enough to take his money, but you're not good enough to be with you after you come up. Give him his money back, and then that's how you get rid of him. I like that answer. <laughs> Uh, you you were passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not your class now. But I don't think she's saying that's not, he's not her class. That's what she said. Wait. Uh (laughs) What I am with my life as a physician, what I hear her saying is they have grown apart. And what she wants out of life might not be the same thing that he wants out of life. That's what I took out of it. She said, I am now working as a lawyer. My this problem is that I feel I can't continue with this relationship. She said, I want somebody in my own class, not a truck driver. Please help me. She's smelling herself, as I would say. Don't worry, give him my money. You're embarrassed by me. Because your your lawyer friends probably got you know lawyer husbands or whatever, and I drive a truck. That's right. Okay, listen to this. Uh huh. <laughs> listen to this. Not me. I don't drive a truck. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is not my personal situation. Uh huh. But I, okay, whatever. She wants out. Whatever was the reason why right. she wants out. She, she wants, wants to out. leave. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt no matter what. You uh-huh. will not get an invite to her new wedding. Mm. <laughs> there's no, no invitation. That's right. She need to do the I love you sandwich. No. Uh, but he's going to be upset. She's going to be upset. She's, but do you stay with somebody just because I took care of you? That's not going to work either. She's going to cheat. To me, this reminds me of <clears throat> the basketball players that got Shaquana on the side that's going to put you through a rivalry through your thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Now you got your contract, and now you're going to Becky. Mm-hmm. No, with a good hair. Uh, you can. No, she said they died in the beginning. We are saying it don't got nothing to do with it. She said to us how she got in a relationship. Mm -hmm. She was vulnerable. She needed a father figure. She She needed money. He was a rescuer. He rescued her of a bad situation. Now she has recovered and she she knows who she is. So she is basically saying to hell with you. I don't need you anymore. She just said, I just want to be friends. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm praying for you. I saw how you turned that around. Now we we did agree on that. Somebody's going to end up hurt. I feel sorry for him. It's about image. Exactly. Certain things you do not put in it, an article, if it doesn't mean nothing. 
So do you stay? Regardless if we do all this stuff, you don't. Stay. You don't. Not you don't. Feelings are going to get hurt. Yeah. Especially if he met her when she was 16 and she's a lawyer now. So she's been. And how so old she was has. He? That's a decade. He was 16. How old was he? Was he taking advantage of Well, he of took her to school. He, was he oh. No, she was going to college. She was, no, she was 16. She said her parents she, died when she was 16. Right? He would take care of her since then. I met a guy when I was 16. What's the age? So how old is he? 18. But what's the age, the legal age? 18. Depends on which state you live in. It's 18. Hopefully she was in the state where it was 16. No, ma'am. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, now you get creative. Okay. She was 16. He took advantage of her as a girl. She realized that she doesn't want to do it anymore, but she needs a father figure and she wants out. Okay. All right. All right. Who, who else has something? I have some other ones, but I want to give somebody else some other. You have anything? Oh, you have a whole bunch of them. I'll, I'm just, I'm still. You still on that? Let's talk about that happened this week on social media. Uh, who? Uh, what happened? Black China happened. Safari oh. happened. Those are two of the biggest things. Oh, yeah, things. we're not talking about them. Okay. We're not I talking about Black Safari. You don't know who Black China? I do. She's but just a she nasty gutter butt. It wasn't good. Okay, it wasn't. Well, well, it wasn't good. No, she wasn't good. Okay. <laughs> you see, I'm you saying in general. Oh, oh, just mm. She's tired. Okay, what about, oh Rhea, you oh put God. this up there. What? Michael B. Jordan, living with his parents. Okay, so listen. He got that oh, straight, yeah. though. Listen, yeah. I, I, love, I love Twitter. I do. On the fact that people read each other. Uh, <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. But um, some, it was this guy. Mm-hmm. And I guess he lives with his parents. He does not have a good job. And he said this most women do not want him. Mm-hmm. And he said, but, you know, we got Michael B. Jordan who lives with his parents. He's short. And why are y'all, like, who can holler over him? So, Michael B. Jordan came back and said, first of all, I'm six foot he one. Clap back. Clap mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Wait, who is he compared to? A regular smoke gel. Like a random person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said, my parents live with me. me. Right. He pays yeah. all the bills. Right. And he's six feet. And he's, and he's working out. And, and, and he needs a whole lot of Amen. Yes. But mm-hmm. where does the guy live at that said he lived with his parents and he's a random person? I don't know. I, I think it was just another person that just chimed in. You cannot compare that to that. Well, you probably live you with his parents. You cannot compare it, but also, you also have to think about where they live at. I'm telling you, because Virginia, right? If you live with your parents, yeah, you yeah. like, I used to live with your mom, whatever. But in New York, there's, there's basement apartments that. They, they, oh, yeah. they stay with their parents. They live in the basement because mm-hmm. those are basement apartments mm-hmm. there. So if I say I'm living at home, my mom, okay, they're going to think it's a basement apartment. So there's no issue mm-hmm. with you living with your mother, aunt, whatever in New York. But down here, it's like, yeah, you live with your parents. No, up there, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So if you meet somebody from 40-something, oh, yeah, I'm living at home. So I think it depends on, you know, where you live at. That's Territorial, at. yeah. I mean, I, I still think that 40 years old. At 40 years old, what are your expectations? And, and a person who wants, I know you're, we know that, you know, there's something going on, so you're not available, but. <laughs> and what are your expectations at 40, what did you say, two? 42 years old? Am I 42 or the person? That's the person. What, what, do you, what do you expect? I expect a career at this point in time. Okay. I expect him to live independently on his own. <laughs> Um, um, I like my vehicle. Okay. I like, I, know your purpose. Like, what drives you? What do you want? Like, I want him to be a go-getter. Okay. Like, perfectly made for me. 
perfectly made for you. Well, okay. all right. <laughs> she answered it. For yes. the record, I did not say my status. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, we all know it. We all know. We all know. We all know. No, I don't know. I'm just saying that I know. Care his mother, Michael B. Jordan. I hope he's not. I mean, now if his mother is sick mm-hmm. and they have yeah. moved the parents in because they're an ill, the sick is shut in list, then I will understand that. Mm-hmm. But if we're just living with our parents because we don't want to adult, that no aspirations. Yeah. The situation is all the generation coming up that's okay with living with their parents forever. And I actually read the response that he had. Like, he said that the reason why he wants his parents to live with him is so he can stay humbled and, like, the life, the Hollywood life wouldn't get to him. So, Okay. I that was really he said good. it does get awkward when he does guests. Yeah. I can imagine. But how big is the house? I'm pretty sure it's a nice house. It's a nice size house. Okay, I so I don't know if this is true or not, but do you know he only got paid 800 and some thousand dollars? For what? For Black Panther. Now, that's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure there's a clause in his contract if it says that he if they make If the movie... If, I, that's the debate we had last night, because I think it's at $700 million now. Correct. And they gave a million dollars to the Boys and Girls Club. Exactly. Who did? Disney. Disney. Are you excited about the million dollars that Disney gave to the Boys and Girls Club? Disney. Yeah. Come on. I saw that. I I said it's not even enough for me to put on the docket to talk about. The docket. Well, being that this is the last day Uh of Black Black History Month, Uh you have posted something that says, Are you offended? University serves Kool Aid and watermelon for Black History Month. Mm hmm. Red. What do you think Red Kool-Aid. What university was this? New York. NYU. New York University. Yeah. Wow. And the, they, what they did was, it was actually, um, the, the girl who saw it, she thought that, you know, she was sure that it was like some type of a southern cuisine. And actually, I have the menu. Mm-hmm. The menu, I was like, mm, that sounds good. Even to the Kool-Aid. So the menu was... Um, collard greens, ribs, cornbread, smashed yams, mac and cheese, and two beverages, which were red Kool-Aid <laughs> and watermelon-flavored water. <laughs> and she said she really wasn't um, offended by the foods but the beverage choices because she said these drink options um, perpetuate harmful stereotypes that have existed about the black community for decades and show an extreme level of cultural ins- insensitivity. Mm-hmm. And assured me that it was not a racial insensitive issue. Were you so I saw your response. Were you guys offended by it? If you guys came here and that was in the dining hall. Depends on who put it together. Yes, it depends on who put it together. You don't know. So you you're gonna say, once you see it, are you gonna say, Well, who put this together and then that's gonna determine how you feel about it? What's your initial response? Mm, yeah, I mean if we see Kool Aid, like the event that we went to earlier this week. And we didn't say for the food, but if I saw that, I would have been like, wait peach a minute. Collar, yeah. yeah, peach collar. But if I saw a Kool-Aid and watermelon drink, <laughs> I would be like, what? Like at a, at a vent, you, you probably see like water. Tea. Water. You don't see Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Yeah, huh. yeah, you just automatically see Kool-Aid. Black person or white person put that menu together. That is not it's right. So really? I feel like if, we, if we're demanding for people to treat us better, we got to treat our own. Kool-Aid mm-hmm. and watermelon it's juice. That, it's just that simple. So what would, you, what would have been your replacement, like sweet tea? Sweet tea, yeah, lemonade, sweet tea and water. Sweet tea and lemonade. Okay, those are, yeah. The same thing that we put at every other... Um, but the, they, they were celebrating Black History Month. So I understand the theme. So but I can, you can celebrate me being black without giving me Kool-Aid. Without giving me Kool-Aid. Red. Right. <laughs> I mean, we already know what the, what the 
messages behind yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. It says after an investigation, Aramark determined yeah. that the two employees acted independently in training the media. Uh, and they have been fired. Should they have really been fired? No, I. You always make an example out of somebody. Mm -hmm. and I, yeah. I just feel as though it could have been a conversation. It should be made into the menu. All you had to do was think. Like, watermelon water and Kool Aid. They retrain NYU campus. Think about what you're about to do. Right. I mean, then that means Thanksgiving. Y'all better have this good food. Mine is the Kool-Aid and the watermelon. You better have the collard greens and stuff for Thanksgiving if you're not having that. Okay. Right. Did you have a topic before I bring it so. Okay. So there was an 82-year-old woman who committed suicide after falling for a scam and losing all of her life savings. So this 82-year-old woman, um, I believe her granddaughter was telling the story. She went to court. Um, she said that her grandmother fell prey to a sweepstakes scam. She was told that she had won money, but she needed to pay taxes and fees. Um, she said that she ultimately sent these people all of her money to the scammers and later had to borrow money from family members who um, then took out all of the money from her life insurance and then she tragically committed suicide. Um, Says so she died with $69 in her bank account. So I want to know, because um, I know myself, I've been getting approached and I, I fell for one. I fell for the PayPal one before. Um, but have you ever been scammed or ha have you ever been approached with something? I have a caller who calls me regularly. It's from an 804 number. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that, you know, no, it's from a 972 number. Mm -hmm. And they think, oh, you have serious allegations. We're going to arrest you immediately. Call us right oh, now. Oh, yeah. I see, yeah. Uh -huh. on, like, it's, robo it's, a robot, it's a robotic sound. Mm -hmm. And it's a clicky noise in the background. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's so many scams out here, I feel as though like if one of the IRS is looking for me, they're not gonna. They're not gonna do it, right? Not gonna be a general. They'll be knocking on my yeah. door and sending me letters and all that. <laughs> right. But it's easy when you're older. You don't have and you don't have family yeah. taking care of you. It's easy my parents are very. They're always calling me. I'm like, oh, don't do that because right. iTunes does it now. Apple, right. they'll say you got charged this exorbitant amount of money. And then they're upset, and I'm like, well, go look at the email. Pick up the email and see if the extension is, you know, iTunes.com or whether Apple.com, and it's not. So I'm like, because I didn't look at PayPal, and they were like, log in and make sure that you change your information, which I did. Right. And then somebody told me about it, and I went back in and changed it. But, um, it's scary. Yeah, really scary. Right. People are getting – and then you could – in the letters, you, I look for the broken English, mm -hmm. misspelled words, things like that, because right. they can make it look official in other, other, other ways. Yeah. But look I at how – Oh, did you get that ransom? Yeah. I've had the you had to cut it off real quickly. Yeah. But it still was there. Wouldn't let me get back in. Really? I wound up calling um you know one of the computer people and they came and they did something. They was like they was trying to get your. They were trying to have yeah. That's scary. How can they get in your? That's scary. Yeah, they lock you up. Lock you up. That's terrible. You got something to say? Oh no. You were just stretching. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever been? I get like hundreds of emails. Well, over the course of two years, I got like hundreds of emails in my email, and I always get phone calls. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Instead of getting a job, just get a job. Just get a job. You're smart. You're very creative. You're evidently a, right, if you a genius. This, yeah. You can get a job at Cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Facebook. Let's do this. Come on. Oh, gosh. Oh, Michelle. Yeah. Do you know anything about the book? They're getting sixty what million dollars between the two of them. I cannot. 
it. Oh, you did? Okay. To pre-order it. Um, it's called, I want to say begin. It's called Becoming Michelle Obama. Yeah. And you'll see, she talks about her experience from her childhood in Chicago that helped lead, guide her life and including what it was to be like the first African-American first lady. So I would love to hear her side I would story. Lo- yeah. Because she's always been so classy with her responses. Mm-hmm. And I hope she gets down to the nitty-gritty. Like, let's have a sister girl talk. She's what, not going to do that. really like being a first lady? Was, mm-hmm. it, was it as bad as I can imagine? Because, you know, some of the hate things that people say about mm-hmm. you and you're raising two black yeah. girls. Like, what does this look like? And it's not going to be nothing like Amorosa talking about. You know, things. not going to be to compare. Right. I think everybody's just gonna go get her book. So you can pre-order it now. Can't pre-order. You can pre-order it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm, 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 mm. Do they charge you for it? Um, you get on I don't think I care. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's already there. That's money for you, baby. Thank you, dear. Mm. Are you guys reading any books? I am. Which ones? The Dance of Fear. Dance of Fear. I'm reading textbooks right now. Textbooks. Two of them. Yeah, I can't wait to give them up next week. In two weeks. But yes. So Oprah, we talked about her earlier with the Monique situation. So she was, um, you know, she has this movie, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why she wants to act, but she has a movie coming out. I love her. I love her to death. Oh, I love man. her. I really do. Yeah. But she has this movie coming out, and she was doing the press tour, and the, and the interviewer asked her about the Monique situation. Um, and, I, and I really like her remark. Um, and said, you know, why she hasn't responded. And she said, because it's, it's impossible. She said, it's impossible. It's a law that if you meet negative with negative, you will just have a combustive negative force of energy. Mm-hmm. She said, you can't meet negative energy where it is. You have to rise above it. You have to transcend it. You have to be the light. It only takes a little bit of light to banish the darkness. It takes a lot of darkness to overcome the light. It takes just a little bit of light, and we are warriors of the light. I would never stoop to try to meet anyone where they are negatively. I don't care who they are. Mm-hmm. So how do you respond? Have, do you respond when you hear such and such say something about you? I'm, I'm trying to take the higher Well, you know, a lot, I, there are, I'm, I'm not perfect. So mm-hmm. there are days that the clapback is real. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I would <laughs> like to, because my, in my mind, I'm going to become this amazing person with this amazing job. And you are. Uh-huh. And it, I'm going to bust a ceiling. So I can't just have them come back to this interview and say, you know, Ray is dead. But um, I'm, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let you talk to me in a disrespectful way. So I have a way about me. I can tell you off without even you knowing you're telling me. I'm telling you off. And I say it oh, I like those kind. So Where you're in the car, they're on the way home. They're like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, my sarcasm is real. Yeah. Um, but I get it. Once you get to Michelle O'Brien Mm-hmm. You don't have time to deal with the bottom feeder and mm-hmm. people pulling you down. So mm-hmm. I have to remember what is the purpose of this conversation and what am I gaining from mm-hmm. it. So you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Oprah, but you know how Oprah didn't even clap back at um, Trump. He did not. Yeah. She did not. Oh she yeah. Went back mm-hmm. and did her research. Well, was I really jaded? Was I really mm-hmm. to the left? So I like her response mm-hmm. instead of me feeling. Let me make sure I'm the best journalist I was. Mm-hmm. I could be. Yes, I'm saying to it. Just see how fabulous you're becoming, right? Absolutely. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and I have my intimate 
moment with you. So you guys ready? Yeah. All right, all right. You listen to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Bill Strayhorn and Strayhorn. We'll be right back. I have a good question for y'all. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums. One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards. One in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism. One in 68. I'm Tony Braxton. And I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie. This is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. Leave something to remember so they won't forget I was here. Former club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door, a door that gives them a place to grow, to learn, to belong, a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local Boys and Girls Clubs, visit greatfutures.org. Let's face it, with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm in the studio with my my girls, Rhea and Caprice yes. and Jada Hello. and Jada's friend. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, so good show. Thank you for your energy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, I want to come back. You want to come back? Of course. You know what? I just want to take this moment to tell you that I do remember the first time you were on the show, and then we went, well, we didn't go eat until a couple times after that. But we talked about our dreams and things that we felt held us back. And you were like three times bigger in your personality, and I can feel you coming to yourself. I'm proud of you. So I can't wait to see when you come back, and I have to say the the mega star or uh -huh. everything. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, test question. Test question for all of you. So this is the part where I like to pick your brains and see exactly how you feel. Um, my question to you tonight is: If you could teach everyone, if you could teach everyone in the world one concept, what concept would have the biggest positive impact on humanity right now? If you could teach the world, yeah, one concept. What concept would have the biggest positive impact on humanity right now? What'd you say? I would say love yourself. Love yourself. Why would you say that? I like that. that. People don't love themselves, so therefore they react and take it out on other people. So if everybody loves themselves, then they'd be comfortable with themselves, and then they would not react or disrespect or want to hurt anybody else. Because you, you hurt, you hurt people, hurt people. Now, when I saw when I heard you say that, and I was thinking about it, could you tie that into like these these mass shootings and stuff? Is that like a root issue of that as well? You think? It depends. I mean, some of them are mentally. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you, if you mental, you can't. And then it's hard to love yourself. The person who the wife leaves them, and then they want to go and kill. Everybody if it goes back to them loving themselves yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Good answer, Raya. Mine would be hope. Hope. Okay. Because people are stuck. They feel as though whatever they're going through is permanent. Mm -hmm. We see their personal lives and in the world. And this is all temporary. And things are going to change and things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. So I want people to be hopeful. And just it's the shooting, but we got these seven, seven kids, seven mm -hmm. teenagers mm -hmm. who are changing, it took a tragic situation and it's changing the world. Mm -hmm. There's hope that came out of there. There's mm -hmm. hope for our future. There's hope for the kids that's coming up next behind them. So, that's my concept. I would teach equality. Equality. She took my answer. Okay, oh, go I ahead. I took your answer. <laughs> go ahead. Why do you say that? I say equality because, like, it is Black History Month and whatnot, uh -huh. and I have been doing a lot of research and whatnot, and I feel that this country would be even greater if we didn't have the barriers that we had to, since, mm -hmm. like, 50 years back and even 200 years back when we were enslaved. So that's really why I would pick equality. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, mine was a little bit different. It was more acceptance and respect. Mm -hmm. And I think if we just get back to the core um, understanding that we are the United States of America mm -hmm. and that we our diversity is really what makes us strong. So I think when people put people down for their sexuality, their color, their skin, we have to understand that some people are gay. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that black people are not inferior anymore. Um, and I think once we get those understandings and we respect one another, mm. I think that will reduce. It's not going to eliminate all the trouble in the world, but I think that it'll reduce a lot of the frustrations that a lot of people have. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I was going to you know, make the same comment she made about love. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, a lot of people would do better, especially in relationships, you know, loving yourself first and then, um, you know, then attempting to be with someone. 
Any closing remarks? Do you have something you want us to follow? Because you're doing a lot. Do you yes. have? I am. I am doing a lot. I. You can follow me on Facebook. It's my first and last name, Raya R A E A, Golf G O F F, and I'm on Instagram. It's Raya Golf. Also, what do I have coming up? Um, I'm doing a. I'm doing with two other friends um, a series of masterminds for upcoming um, entrepreneurs. That's what I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. and hopefully. I'll be doing some a one workshop at a coffee shop that I'm working with. So I'll be posting on on Instagram and Facebook. So follow me on social media. Awesome. Okay. All right. Thank, did you want to add anything? Well, um, you can look me up at www.capriceelmore.com. Um, and you're C A. C A P R I S. Okay. Uh huh. And um, yeah. That and on, so on social media, Caprice S Elmore and Caprice underscore Elmore. So just look me up. On Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for working the sound, and thank you for being our listening audience and in-studio audience tonight. I appreciate it. Until next week, everybody, be blessed. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com. And at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519.